Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding. The world is going to know it. We'll rock it like you're never going to see us again. Come on over. Come on over. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday night, November 17th, and it is 10 p.m. and Pure Gold is live and on the air. My name is Joe, Just Business Buccino, along with my tag team partner and co-host, David Gomez. Sir, how are you? I'm doing fabulous, sir. Excited to get another episode of Pure Gold on the way. A Thursday edition, sir. Of course. We're one week away from my favorite holiday, that is Thanksgiving. So with Thanksgiving comes some Survivor Series talk. And let's get right into it, sir. Take it away. Folks, if you'd like to be a part of the show, make sure to call us, 714-364-4721. You can check out our website, puregoldpg.com. You can check all our past guests and everything else that we've done. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and all that other goodness. And, of course, it's right there on the Follow Us button, JB. Thank you, sir. Now, we're, we're joined by a special guest. We haven't had him in a while, so, DG, will you please do the honors? Yay. Making a record-breaking, I guess if you count Pyro, it's not record-breaking, but in the case of our, what we consider to be guests, a record-breaking four-time, 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 four-time repeater here, a repeat guest here on Pure Gold, we're joined by the one and only Justin Labar from WrestleZone.com, and he is, of course, the executive producer and co-host of Chair Shot Reality. Justin, how are you doing, sir? Four times, man. I must be doing something right. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, it's it's funny. It's been a long time. I think the last time we had you on was right before WrestleMania, and here we are at the uh, second biggest pay-per-view of the year, the Survivor Series, both, of course, involving The Rock and John Cena. So, Justin, let me ask you a question. I mean, I listened to your show on Tuesday. There's definitely some good stuff there. You had some great guests. Um, but for the sake of the Pure Gold audience, give us your take. Did Monday night's show, did it sell you at all? on the Sunday pay-per-view. I mean, I know Joe and I have our opinions, but what did you think about Monday? Well, I think Monday, um, everything was just kind of out of whack. It just, it, I think a lot of things were done, uh, it could have been done differently for the better, you know, starting with The Rock. You know, I, I wish we would have not just seen him until the last, I wish, I wish we would have not seen him until the last segment. I didn't like the fact that we saw him at a pre-tape walking backstage. I didn't like the fact he came out. Rock Bottom McFoley, which I still think was actually a uh, not the original uh, scripted ending. I think that was actually called upon uh, during that segment. I think they sent the Rock out there. I don't think that was actually the the the, the real finish. I think uh, I think that was an on the fly move. But nonetheless, uh, it just not a lot of really good momentum. There's not, nothing's been consistent. Uh, whether it's right. whether you're talking about Rock and Cena, and obviously that already presented its problems because we knew that we were having this build to the storyline. Uh, with no rock uh, until last Monday, you know, John Cena's having to carry it all pretty much on his own and and such. You know, whether it's the Kevin Nash, you know, we, you know, we kept thinking we were going to see him at Survivor Series, and you know, I really felt that they were going to introduce Triple H back into things last Monday. You know, that, right, that's not right. there. The WWE Championship, some weeks, it's, uh, some weeks that builds better, other weeks it's not. Um, all I can say is that there's a lot of pressure on this pay per view uh, this Sunday. This um, this potential for this to be. I mean, I kind of feel good. Maybe it's just the hopeful in me. Uh, I kind of feel good. I kind of feel like it's been so subtle and quiet building up to this that it really only has one way to go, which is up. And I kind of feel like you know it is the Garden. WWE has a pretty good track record of delivering at the Garden. Definitely, uh, but at definitely. the same time, you know, there's, a, there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of creative um, shortcomings in the last few months. So who the heck knows, man? Justin, I totally agree with you. I mean. 
We started Raw off with a, a Michael Cole segment and JR, I mean, with a hot crowd in Boston, and I thought they totally just, you know, blew that aspect of it. And then just on the flip side of that, just Survivor Series. I just remember when I was a kid, Survivor Series was like a special pay-per-view. Actually, I remember when Survivor Series was on Thanksgiving Day. That's how cool it used to be. And now, to me, it's just another pay-per-view. I don't see the real special to it. Um, the whole, you know, Cena and Rock teaming up in its Miz and, and Truth, I mean, unless something dramatic happens um, between the two of them, I don't even think that's a really good match. I mean, I don't even see well, how Rock and Cena actually win that match. But, well, well, first and foremost, the, the Michael Cole JR thing, while um, while there's a lot of problems within that in terms of uh, personally, I was I was okay with that starting the show. Uh, you know, I said it over and over. You know, a three-hour Raw, um, starting with that is probably good. You know, you don't want to start with the Rock. You don't want to start, you know, with the WWE Chain. You don't want to start with anything that really needs to be seen by everybody because. Uh, history has shown that, that that some people do, you know, especially more casual fans will forget that it starts the first hour, they can't get home in time or whatever. So I was okay with the start of that. You know, we can go on and on about the Michael Cole Jr. situation, but uh, to the Rock to the Rock's match, back to that that you started to talk about. Um, the Rock and Cena should not win this match. Uh, that that is that is that is uh, 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 pardon my alphabet here. That's F up number one. Um, A one. If they let the Rock and Cena win in any form or fashion, Miz the truth have everything to gain out of this. They need to get the win out of this. They've been they have not really had an upper hand this entire build. So they need to get the win at this pay per view and not only not only because Rock and Cena have nothing to gain by winning, but also and most importantly because we gotta build the WrestleMania. That's what the point of this is. Never before and ever again we're building the WrestleMania, these two teaming. There needs to be serious conflict. Either the famous Cena heel turn needs to happen and he throws the rock to the Please. wolves, or Please. <laughs> or they don't want to turn Cena uh, officially heel. There at least needs to be an all-out hell-breaking brawl that takes place uh, for Survivor Series to end. Whether it's the you know locker room comes out and empties and helps separate these guys, or however they do it, one of those two, two things has to happen: Cena heel turn, uh, or a major brawl between Rock and Cena. All the while, Miz and Truth get the win. One of those two things has to happen in my mind for Survivor Series, the ending of Survivor Series, to go uh, correct. Right. You know, and the interesting thing is, um, I want to go back to something, and I'm, I'm going to get back to this in a second, but the opening of Raw, I understand what you're saying, that you can't put something exciting, uh, or not, not exciting, that's the wrong word, you can't put something that needs to be seen at the beginning of Raw, I understand that, because people aren't watching at 8 o'clock per se, but that was just, Justin, I, and I know I know your take on this, I know you agree with us that this whole Cole JR thing is, is horrible, but that was so bad the, the the opening was such a terrible opening, and it, I mean, yeah, um, CM Punk said what every fan is thinking. That that's great, but with three hours to fill, a little more wrestling wouldn't wouldn't be a bad thing. You know, it wouldn't be a bad thing to put some guys in there who deserve a, a you know a few minutes. Anything other than that, it's so terrible. This whole Cole vendetta against uh, Jr., which of course you know was Vince's whole backstage thing, which is nobody cares about it, nobody likes it, nobody finds it interesting, so I just had to throw that out there. Um, but on the flip side of that, with the whole Cena-Rock thing, I, I hadn't really thought about how the show is going to end other than a Cena heel turn. Uh, to me, I think that's the only way that it should end, but your whole uh, Pier 6 brawl, everybody going nuts, I can kind of see that. I think that is probably the best-case scenario of what we're going to see. Are we ever going to see a John Cena heel turn? God only knows. But if that whole, um, you know, this is your life, John Cena, which is terrible, by the way, but if that whole segment is going to be a, a setup for the last time we see the cutesy face Cena, I would be all for it. Realistically speaking, though, Justin, do you think we're ever, whether Sunday or not, are we ever going to see what all of us want to see, John Cena finally go heel? Well, you know, I got asked that by a man on the street basically today, um, and, I'll, and I'll give you the same answer that I that I gave him, which is I, I can't say definitively yes or no. All I can say is that I've never felt more confident in putting my chips on the table for that. I've never felt I never felt that it's as close and realistic as it is now. That's the only way I can answer that. It, 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 we're as close to it, I think. In terms of it making sense and logical and, 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 and hints, so to speak, we're as close to it as we've ever been. Right, right. If that makes sense, that's the only way I can really answer that. Yeah, and then so, other than Justin, other than that match, which I guess is the marquee match, you have like you know Albert Del Rio defending against CM Punk, and CM Punk has become, and I think you might have said this, uh, 
he's become the voice of the fans, or he's become the fan in all of us. He tells it like it is, like from our point of view, for the most part. Do you think that it's time to take the title off a marginalized champion like Albert Del Rio and give it to CM Punk and let him carry it to, let's say, Royal Rumble or even WrestleMania? Well, he, he would push you around for calling him Albert, but uh, <laughs> I do um, call him Albert. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, you know, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Punk is the voice of the voiceless and 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 such, but I and, and I and but I I think that Del Rio needs to keep the belt for now. Um, I I I, f- I kind of feel like yeah, it would be great if Punk wins. I mean, he's so over, he's so consistently hot in every city. New York is obviously a favorable city to to him. Um, just by the demographic and, and what we know in wrestling history, so you know it'd be a big pop in New York and MSG and, and et cetera. But um, I think it would be better to have Del Rio win and really kind of drag, you know you can get you know Del Rio and CM Punk to me is an intriguing uh, feud rivalry uh, as they like to refer, um, and it's something that I think if they give him more time and they really kind of open it up, you know, verbal will continue to be good. It's all, anything's all, everything's always, you know, at least above average when you're dealing with CM Punk, but it'll continue to be good between the two of them. I'm really excited for the bell to bell action between these two. Um, I think this is something that could go on for at least another month or two. Let, 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 let Punk, you know, chase the title for a little bit before he, um, triumphs and, uh, and wins the title. I think actually they're even in Chicago for a Raw in December, and I want to say, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure I think it's actually the Raw, the first Raw after um, the TLC pay-per-view. So, uh, you know, that might be fitting right there. Right. And, and you know, the interesting thing about Punk is I, I just find it I find it fascinating because I, I'm curious, you know, his whole contract, uh, you know, we're not going to know the, the true ins and outs of it, but I just find it fascinating that what Punk says is so spot on to what we feel. I mean, it shows that that's probably how he really feels. I'm, I guess I'm a little surprised that WWE lets him say that. I understand that, you know, he was going to walk out. They, they they wooed him back and they brought him back. But it's just interesting because he says exactly what all of us are thinking. And, they you know, they allow him to say it week in and week out, which is great. The whole uh, feud with him and Alberto Del Rio is interesting. But, um, I, you know, again, I, I look at Del Rio, I look at a marginalized champion, as it were, and uh, I do agree with you, though. I think they need to have Punk chase the title for a bit. I mean, I, I would love this feud to go even up until uh, the Royal Rumble and have a big match there where you have Punk win it and have him going into WrestleMania as the champion, you know, if you're going to have a nice little consistent feud between the two of them. But, uh, you know, moving on from that, you know, obviously we've covered the two, I would say, the biggest matches. Can you give us your your uh, take on the whole uh, Mark Henry Big Show thing? I mean, I'm not a fan of Mark Henry. I get what he's doing, and I think it's good, especially for his career where he's been. I don't. I definitely do not see the Big Show winning this ti- this match. But um, you know, is this going to be the last time we see these two Titans in the ring? I mean, Joe, Joe, and I were talking that it probably should have been a stipulation, like you know, the Big Show's last shot at the title or something to that effect. I mean, are we going to see another? Uh, you know, ring collapsing, arena collapsing. I mean, you know, are they going to create a sinkhole or something? What are we looking for in that match? Well, I do agree with with, with both of you guys that there should be some type of gimmick this match. I had said on CSR or probably a month ago, like I said, I think right after the ring did collapse at the Vengeance Paper, you, I said uh, the next match between these two guys um, needs to be a gimmick match. You know, if you have the ring collapse, if that's, if that's your draw, if that's your ending. Well, then you have then you know then it kind of deems that okay no ring can you know hold these two men we cannot have a typical you know uh, you know first fall then it, you know it needs to be some sort of a special gimmicky match that's obviously not the case this year's Survivor Series so between these two I don't know what to expect in that match uh, I'm not looking forward to watching that match like actually watching it uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing Mark Henry win and retain the title as he should I you know I said been saying now since you know, September October I think he will and should be carrying the title into 2012. Um, but I don't think it's the last one. I I, I don't <laughs> call me crazy, but I have I have a feeling that they're going to drag them out to TLC as well, and, and TLC will be you know them finally in a gimmick match. You know, so I don't know how this one ends at Survivor Series. I think Mark Henry wins, but I have a feeling that they do one more at TLC, some gimmick, you know, some goofy finish at Survivor Series, where therefore they say, okay, first time the ring breaks, second time whatever happens, and then then it, so it forces them to, to go to one of the traditional TLC gimmicky matches. Uh, I don't know, maybe a tables match, I would assume. Um, yeah, so Mark Henry retained, probably not the end of it. Uh, and if for nothing else, um, you know, who? I just I don't see anybody quite ready that they're going to put up the challenge, Mark Henry, right now. I feel like 
Randy Orton's not really in their plans at the moment. I feel like they're giving him a break for that main event picture. Um, even if you want, even with the rumors of Rodas Clay being shoved into a major storyline, he's obviously a heel, so he wouldn't be going up against Mark Henry. And I, again, I don't think Big Show's going to win the title. So it, it kind of by logic, I just say Mark Henry retains another round with Big Show, uh, and then goes into 2012 something fresh. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe Mark Henry versus Sheamus because it seems like. Sheamus might be the face of SmackDown if Randy Orton wins. Well, yeah, right? Sheamus, I certainly think is the up, up and rising face of SmackDown. Uh, but I, I think, I think, I think, I think he's so good and he's becoming so big that that's something you have to hold off for a few more months. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't blow the, you can't, can't spill the Guinness just yet. You got to uh, kind of wait and uh, hold him off until you know maybe maybe he's a Rumble winner. Maybe he somehow is getting involved in that road to WrestleMania. Trying, you know, I don't know. But I feel like he needs to be held off until. The road to WrestleMania time period until he gets involved seriously uh, as being the new the new title holder for SmackDown. Just because I feel like right now it'll be a little bit too soon. I think they need to, they think they should continue to milk it and, and build him. Yeah, I definitely agree that Sheamus can potentially be that Royal Rumble winner. And I guess the other you know the main storyline which we really didn't discuss either another marquee match in terms of just uh, on paper is you know Kevin Nash versus Triple H. You had Triple H take some time off time off to sell that injury with Nash. Um is this gonna are we gonna tie some unanswered questions up, Justin, uh at this pay per view? Are we gonna find out that indeed John Law and Ice is in cahoots with Kevin Nash? What do you think? Well to the best of my knowledge, they're not having a match. Uh, oh they're not gonna have the match. No, the, no, 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 they're, they're not, they're not. Okay. I think yeah, I think the correct way uh to answer the ask the question would have been um I guess what Joe's getting at is are we going to get anything on this story, anything to further this feud? Because, you know, you mentioned it on TSR. We're hoping that this match would happen. It's obviously not going to happen now, probably at the next pay-per-view, which is TLC. But um, is there any type of res- – is anything going to happen? Are we even going to see Nash at the pay-per-view? I, I think we will we'll definitely see him. Uh, I know he's going to be in New York. I think we'll definitely see him. Um, you know, uh, I, earlier I would have said, uh, and and I think, you know, so there was some account for plans that – he would have gotten involved uh, in that. He, the, he, I, originally, I think there would have been some, definitely some involvement. Now, I mean, there still could be. They still could be throwing something out. They, they could have something coming out of left field. They could have something that, that's been really well hidden. Uh, so I'm not going to you know, rule it out. But I really don't know where it would fit in, especially with my theories earlier of, of Rock and Cena. Um, but I do think we'll see him regardless, whether that's him coming out. You know, I mean, they still have they still have – uh, potentially some some time in that pay per view. So whether it's him coming and just cutting a promo in the ring, um, and, and or you know, and then doing kind of like what he did this past week at Raw, whether you know he comes out and basically you know just demolishes somebody like uh, Santino, or whether he cuts a promo in the ring, whether we just see him backstage talking to John Laurinaitis and they tease for something on Raw the next night, um, we'll definitely see him. He may not have any special involvement. We may not get any tie-in of Laurinaitis or Vince McMahon or conspiracy. Um, it's hard to say. It, 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 we all might be the ultimate marks right now and have been duped. You know, like I said, the last I, the last intelligent information, inside information, whatever you want to phrase it as, that I got was a few months or a few weeks ago, rather, right when Nash had came back from filming the movie and he came back. Um, what was it? A vengeance. At that point, I was hearing that the original faction, you pseudo NWO, whatever idea that was going towards Survivor Series that Vince had supposedly really pulled off and didn't want to do that. He didn't want to have the faction for multiple reasons. Um, but it may be that we all, that we've all been duped and that, that they have, do have something worked up and we're going to get that big unveiling in the garden. You know, that, that it's possible. We, we really might all be, you know, ultimate, you know, fools here. Um, but going on based on what I know and based on intelligence and based on how things have been moving, I'm going to say that we see Nash in some minor capacity, um, but the, the the saga continues as we wait for Triple H. I guess I guess there's a possibility that we could always see Nash power bomb Santino again and again and again, like we saw on Monday. Which is a I love Kevin Nash. I know I know you're friends with the guy. I love him personally, but that was a waste of of a minute. You know, that was a waste of a segment. But, but you know, but, I, but you know, I will say this: he, it's it, it, it's funny. They've lost a lot of steam. You know, um, we talked about this on CSR this week. Uh, Josh asked me as a reality check regarding that 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 whole feud. Uh, there's been a lot of steam lost between he and Triple H, just because of how it's been done. You know, the absence of each of them at different times. But I will say that there was a really good amount of heat that was drawn onto him that he, 
you know, it was, it was, he was in, out, you know, very, very effective. Um, you know, good promo. Yeah, they didn't, you know, didn't waste too much time on the mic. It was just, it was very effective. So there was a good amount of heat put on him. So, uh, it, I mean, it, it, I don't really have so much of a problem with the segment. I mean, it, it, I feel like that, you know, if anything, while we're losing some consistent steam with he and Triple H, granted they'll be able to regain it pretty quickly because they are who they are and they do have such a real history with each other. But right. for the time being, it is helping him get kind of in a consistent pattern of becoming the force that he should have been all along, uh, which you know that wasn't really executed that well when he first made his return in August. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I just think that Nash, you know, could be utilized a little bit better than just kicking Santino in the face. You know, I just think Santino's a waste of space. But again, that's me. I would like to have seen him maybe interrupt a match and powerbomb a couple of guys, take them out. That would have been more sure, interesting, sure. you know, from from my perspective. And as sure. far as him and Triple H losing steam, like you said, they they're so they're so great, you know, they're such all time greats, really. That anything they do, they're gonna come back. It's gonna pick right up, like like you know, nothing ever like they didn't miss a beat. And we're gonna go into the next pay per view or even at the Rumble whenever we're finally gonna see those two in the ring. Um, my my next question, uh, and this is something that I'm curious about. And Joe and I were talking about this before the show. What's the deal? with the whole John Morrison shifting into the spot, whereas we all thought, I could have sworn that I saw it on WWE.com, but maybe my eyes are deceiving me. I thought it was locked in that uh, Zack Ryder was getting a title shot for the U.S. title. Then all of a sudden, I saw a Twitter, you, somebody tweeted it, and I looked, and I'm like, I, I can't believe it. Now John Morrison, who was in the doghouse, obviously, and you know he's not booked for live events, so he might not even be coming back. I'm a fan of his, so I hope that he does, but... What's the whole deal with that? How did that go from what logically would have easily been Zack Ryder shifting into this, most likely winning the title, to all of a sudden John Morrison has a U.S. title match, and we know Dolph is pulling double duty, but what what's up with that? Well, John Laronitis uh, said on WWE.com Day in one of those articles, uh, one of those um, kayfabe articles they put out, yeah, that, yeah. Um, yeah, that, 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 that there's not enough signatures yet, and, and that he's not, you know, what, whatever, whatever. He basically denied Zack Ryder's uh, title shot. Um, and I think it's 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 just simple wrestling, uh, simple wrestling uh, ABC. It's people are rallying behind. You know, it's becoming you know world. We've been talking about it for weeks and months. It's become so uh, anticipated that the WWE is being smart about it, saying, look, we can keep stringing. We, we let's let's see how many more. Let's see how much more social media spreading around and retweeting and petition signing we can get off of Zack Ryder doing this campaign and let's see, you know, how you know, how, how antsy we can make the audience and then we'll finally give it to him. They will give it to him. I, I don't doubt that at all. They will give the payoff. Uh but it's kind of a case of uh um it's funny. I I'll say this. Has Zack Ryder I don't know, you know, I don't know if he came up with this in one of his, you know, creative ideas or if this was somebody somebody else suggested this from WWE. But had he not done this whole campaign of the petition and all this stuff, had they not got this huge, you know Viral campaign that's now going, they probably would have just gone ahead and gave it to him. I think that was probably the original plan, is what you were alluding to. I think that was probably originally penciled in, you know, in pencil to to do with him and uh, him and Dolph at at the Garden. And then I think they said and realized, hey, this can continue just to build, and we're only going to draw more money by you know waiting it out. And they may wait it out till as long as the Rumble. They might wait it out as soon as Survivor Series. I, I don't put it past um, something crazy happening to where. All of a sudden, he does get enough signatures, and they make it a three-way, like on the, on the spot, or that right, Rodas right. Clay attacks John Morrison backstage, and now all of a sudden we have an open spot, and Zack Ryder comes in, and then Morrison fights Brodus the next night, and, and he and he basically sends Morrison off TV. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I, I until I hear something official, I'm going on the basis that John has done. Uh, that comes off of what we know now, and from past experiences that myself and others have had of him, it seems like, you know, he is ready to kind of just take a break and, and, and do other things. So I'm on the, I'm on the basis that uh, he simply kind of must be put in this match, simply kind of to prod and tease at the audience, uh, to tease at us that, hey, he's getting a spot. He's a guy that obviously has been on the back burner recently, but they're giving him a spot, not Zack Ryder. And it only makes us more right. anticipated and more, uh, you know, more, more hungry to see Ryder get the title. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and uh, you know we're probably going to end up seeing John Morrison as the TNA World Champion in about four months. Uh, you know, once his 90-day no compete clause expires, because <laughs> if he ends up going there, you know that they're going to push him to the moon. Let, let me ask you this: this is this is my uh, I guess uh, something that, to piggyback off what we we're just talking about. Do you think I'm watching Raw three hours? Ryder appeared in multiple segments. 
I know he's popular. I know the Internet fans like him. I, I think it shows hilarious. Um, but do you think that he's getting a little bit overexposed now? He's not really doing a lot of wrestling. He's basically just being a goofy character like he is on his show. Is Ryder getting a little bit overexposed in terms of that? I mean, I know you mentioned the payoff, U.S. title and all that, but uh, are we seeing a little bit too much of Zack Ryder? Absolutely. You know, uh, it, you know, wasn't too long ago we were begging just to see him in a backstage. You know, we are begging just to see him at Cena walk to the ring. Now, you know, we are seeing him every other backstage segment, every other whatever, uh, and it's all in the name of selling as much merchandise as possible. You know, there's Broski Bling Bling, there's Broski, uh, you know, Zack Ryder iPhone covers. There's, I'm surprised they haven't come out with, you know, baby Broski diapers. You know, it, it's all, it's all in the name of making money uh, towards him. I mean, again, I, I mean, wait, I don't, is not, there really, is there really an iPhone cover? Yeah. Seriously, they, they, uh, Zack Ryder iPhone cover? <laughs> Yeah, they. I haven't uh, seen that. They, wow. Yeah, well, actually, I think uh, I think it's iPhone. They when uh, when he was backstage with Santino and he had Santino sign his petition, they held a phone up and he was telling him having Santino sign the petition. He was like, "Here, just push this button," and they zoomed in and it was a it was a what did they call them skins? It was like a, a phone skin yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay. purple. Uh, I, I I mean, it's pro- I don't know if it's I don't know if it was an iPhone or a Droid, but one of the I mean, they probably made right, right. a bunch of them, but one of those smartphones they have uh, you know covers for them now. It's just. You know, it's just making the money off of the cash cow. Um, so hey, I do think it's oversaturated, though, um, and I am worried that 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 could eventually. I don't know. It could backfire. He may not. He may he might rise to you know elite heights before this is all over. I I think you know, mark this down for me. I think that if you have seen a turn heel, if you have seen a turn official heel, if that, if, if we get that that magical uh, moment. Yeah, you know, obviously, I don't think Cena's getting involved in the title picture, and you know he has to wait a few months until it's WrestleMania until the Rock comes back. So I think it would be great to have Zack Ryder and Cena feud. I think that would be tremendous because we obviously know there is a connection there between the two. They've been linked together so much on screen, and how great would it be to be have Cena be heel and say, "I bust my ass and sweat and bleed for this company 300 days a year and get booed and unappreciated by these." Yeah. Like idiot, and you created a, a damn YouTube show, and all of a sudden you're the hottest thing you know, ever. So I think it'd be a great little feud there between the two, and uh, obviously in real life, Cena I think would really like to help put Ryder over. So, right, right. You know, you know, DG. I think you missed that while you were changing a dirty diaper, you know, on your newborn daughter. But uh, <laughs> probably that must be it. <laughs> Justin, finally, uh, t- two part question though. We have the traditional five on five Survivor Series match, which you know. To me, that's what Survivor Series is about because I, I really did enjoy those type of matches back in the day. But um, what do you make out of it? My, my, my little take on it is that unless this is Sheamus' coming out party where it's going to be him against the five heels and he takes them out and beats them, it's either him doing that or Cody Rhodes. I think this is the coming out party for one of these two guys. What do you think? Uh, I don't know if we're coming out for either. Um, I, I think no matter what, I think Team Orton wins this. I think... Um, a lot of big names on Team Orton. Um, I think also, I think if you look at the card overall in the night, just based upon my personal predictions, I think there's going to be a lot of heels that are going to get the upper hand. So um, this is where you need to kind of have a happy face moment. So I, I think, I'm not really sure how this match is going to go. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be, actually be honest. I, you know, I, I've never been a really big fan, actually, of the traditional Survivor Series matches. I, I think I think logically in wrestling booking, Survivor Series matches are kind of, uh, dumb, uh, which I could go into in a, in a, in a great deal. But nonetheless, uh, I've never really been big on the matches. I, you know, I, I mean, I think Survivor Series is more special just because it is the event at the time of year it is, and there's memorable moments that have happened. You know, Taker's debut, you know, screw job, right. et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not really into the Survivor Series matches, so I kind of overlook them. They're kind of like a last minute thing I look at. Um, I'm not really sure how it's going to go, uh, but I do think Team Orton walks away in some capacity. Well, you hit on Taker's debut. Do you think we're going to see him at the pay per view? Um, I don't. Not to say it no. couldn't happen, but I have. I'm not looking for it. Uh, if, if I mean it could happen, if it doesn't, then I definitely don't think we see him until uh, earliest. Uh, earliest would be Rumble, but uh, I, I'm not looking for it. M- mostly, only, simply, yeah, it would be fitting in a way because it is Survivor Series, and I know they keep dropping the hints, or not hints, but I know they keep dropping the references about how his debut. So that there is something to be said for that. But in, in that, and yes, he returned, and MSG is the dead man at WrestleMania U21, I think it was. Um, or 20, whatever one. Uh, but I just don't see where. That's the kind of thing that stumps me. It's not that it wouldn't necessarily make – I mean, I think it would make a lot of sense in terms of history, but like, where, like, how does it come in? I just don't see where or how. 
Um, so that that's kind of what makes me say no. I just don't. I, I can't find any spot in the card as it looks at this very moment that, that he would be appropriately fit into. Okay. I think if uh, if Taker wasn't you know the type of guy who's out for you know 11 months out of the year and then makes his one return, I think it would be kind of a cool visual to see him come out at the end of the night or in some capacity after the Mark Henry Big Show match and then you know as if he's going after the title with Mark Henry. But you're right, it's probably not going to happen. It's been 21 years since he debuted, so that would be a, a big thing. But you know, Justin, uh, I'm not even going to mention the last card, the last match on the card because I don't think any of us cares about the. Uh, the ladies' match, if anything, it's probably one where we're going to be out taking care of business, as it were, and, you know, and refilling uh, our drinks before the uh, the end of the show. But, you know, we definitely appreciate you uh, you giving us some time. And uh, interestingly enough, you make your, again, your four-time appearance. We're finally going to have your partner on the show, and he's going to give us the uh, the aftermath. We're going to be able to talk with uh, Mr. The, the the infamous Eisenbergler on Tuesday to talk about the, uh, you know, if Cena went heel and everything else. So it's kind of interesting. We wanted to book NCSR before and after the, you know, second biggest pay-per-view of the year. So we definitely thank you uh, for giving us some time, sir. Well, I held up my end. I don't know what the hell he's going to do for you, but I, I held up my end. So you're on your own, boys. <laughs> All right, Josh. Uh, sorry, excuse me. I don't mean to insult you, sir. Justin, thank you very much, sir. We definitely appreciate it. Boys, it's been fun. I'm going to get some sleep. i got an early morning out to uh, NYC, uh, but uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you. All right, oh, definitely. We'll talk to you in the future, sir. Thanks again. Thank you. See you. Folks, that was the one and only, the man from Chair Shot Reality. You know, it's funny. This is the second time. He's been on the show four times, as I mentioned, like four times already. This is the second time I call him Josh. Josh and Justin, it's really not that hard. But for some reason, I keep throwing Josh out there, and then when Josh comes in on Tuesday, I'm probably going to introduce him as, you know, Justin Eisenberg or something like that. But uh, definitely some some good stuff there from uh, from uh, Justin giving us his uh, his whole take on the on the Survivor Series situation, as it were. And of course, Joe, I know you agree with me. Who cares about the Divas match? But uh, any uh, any thoughts on uh, um, our little discussion there, sir? No, I mean he Justin really brought some good good information to the table. I think. We pretty much dissected the pay-per-view uh, as a preview, at least. Uh, let's just hope that it's a good pay-per-view in terms of entertainment because, unfortunately, I must admit, uh, you've twisted my arm. You must have some type of blackmail on me. I'm coming over to watch the pay-per-view with you. You know, I think I think at the end of the night we might be ple- – I, I think one of two things is going to happen. We're going to be pleasantly surprised. Oh, actually, no. If Cena goes here, we're going to be going not screaming, waking up my daughter. But if he doesn't go heel, I think we're gonna say, oh, you know, we saw The Rock, his big rematch, you know, coming back to the, coming back to to the ring and everything else. So I guess, honestly, Joe, let's be real. The only thing driving this pay-per-view is The Rock's return. That is the absolute only thing anybody cares about because a lot of these matches haven't been booked great. I can understand what what Justin was saying about the traditional five-on-five match not being easy to book. I like it because it's tradition. You know, you and I are big on tradition, so I think that's the only reason that I like it. But I can kind of see that. I, I, I didn't really think about the whole Soul Survivor thing. It would be good to have, uh, you know. I think that the guy who should probably get it would be Cody. I think Cody should be the last survivor because they're trying to push him. And I think he should eliminate uh, Randy, you know, some way, shape, or form. Orton should be the last one to go. I think that would make for some interesting TV. But I do think that Sheamus should end up being the uh, the champion come or the, get the title shot after he wins the Royal Rumble, so hopefully we'll have that, sir. Um, now, uh, moving on from wrestling, sir, we have uh, some other things we'd like to talk about. Let's dive into some NFL. Joe, right now the Jets are playing. Unfortunately, you know, we're here, I know you're going nuts. We're on the same time as your beloved football Jets. Give us your take on them and, uh, you know, what you've seen in the game so far, sir. Well, I, I just want to take two steps back and just let you know that um, after the Jets beat the Buffalo Bills up in Buffalo two weeks ago, I was really thinking that this team had figured it out. They found their identity, and they knew where they were going to go with uh, you know, game planning. I knew that the game against the Patriots was going to not make or break their season, but it was going to determine pretty much who's going to win that division. And I thought that the fact that the Jets this year actually had a home field advantage. They were 3-0, and or yeah, 3-0 or 4-0, 3-0, I believe, and going into the New England game Sunday night, I, I really thought that this was the time for the Jets to to beat and lay the smackdown, if you will, on the Patriots. I thought that I the will. Patriots were, yeah, I thought the Patriots were ripe for a, a big smackdown. I thought the Jets could have won like twenty-seven to ten, 
And it seemed like right from the get-go when the uh, the Jets missed a field goal, a chip shot field goal, to make it 3 nothing, I, I kind of like was like, oh, boy, it might be one of those nights. And it, it turned out to be a horrible night for the Jets. Their offense looked so bad. Their defense, for the most part, in the first half was all right. Um, and then just they just imploded in the second half. And when they lost that game 37-16, to I knew right then and there pretty much the division is going to be hard because I know that the New England Patriots schedule the rest of the way is pretty easy for them. So they already have they already beat the Jets twice, so they have that that advantage in case of there's a tiebreaker in record. And the Jets just look so flat after that. And now they're in Denver up ten to three where against a team that, you know, Tim Tebow runs the option. What, where, when do you hear an NFL team that runs an option as their main offense? I could see that you could do that couple gimmick plays with the option, but that's what they run as their main offense. And the Jets are only up 10-3 right now. Um, it's a it's a sad state again for the, as a Jet fan. If the Jets have to win or it's a nail biter for this game, then I don't know how far this this team can actually go. I already know that they're not gonna probably win the division and they're going to be have to go on the road again and this team has basically gone on the road to go to go through the AFC title game they've had a win on the road like three games and then you know I just don't think you can keep doing that if you're if you actually want to want to win a Super Bowl and I know that Rex every year says he's the best team but uh Rex you know look in the mirror you're not the best team you're not even the best team in the uh division at the moment so with that said I'm with that said I'm hoping sir that the Jets are able to pull away and give me one of those like, you know, 27 to three victories, so that they can build some confidence, have 10 days to rest when they have to play Buffalo at home, and then hopefully, you know, put another whooping on them. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. You know, hopefully the Jets will be able to win tonight, like you mentioned, Tim Tebow. You know, and I like Tim Tebow. I hope that he can be somehow successful in the NFL, but it doesn't seem that running the option. Definitely doesn't seem like that's the offense that's gonna. Considering nobody else does it, it's definitely not the offense that is going to take them to where they need to go. I mean, he's had a pretty decent record so far. Let me ask you this: What do you think about the whole uh, making fun of Tim Tebow? That whole, you know, taking a knee and everything else. Like, get, give us your take on that real quick, because I know that a lot of players have, you know, been criticized for it, whether religious beliefs, whatever you might think. But uh, you know, let the PG audience know about that, sir. Well, one team that I know a couple weeks ago that beat the Denver Broncos were, I mean, yeah, that beat the Denver Broncos was the Detroit Lions. And, I mean, I think I mentioned it on our show a couple weeks ago that they were actually mocking the Team Tebow, you know, kneel down and pray to Jesus about it. You know, he's very emphatic about his, you know, religion, obviously, even on the field. And I, I don't think you could ever be knocking somebody's religion, ever. Even on the field, uh, you know, and on the in the media, it's just... Uh, just so immature, classless. I don't know what to say. I hope the Detroit Lions lose the rest of their games this season. It's so bad that I can't believe that they did that to the guy. I mean, he's a really good guy. He really, you know, is is highly religious. So, I, I sir, I, I was appalled by the fact that the Detroit Lions were making fun of him for his religious beliefs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anything that makes you appalled, we have to sit back and, and, and t- or sit up and take notice. What's interesting to me, though, is that, you know, being in the type of society that we're in, it, you can get away with that, and yeah, some people may kill you, but if it was a different religion, if it was somehow mocking Judaism or mocking, uh, you know, Islam, it would be a huge deal. It would be a big thing, and they'd be making us think about it, but since it's a Christian thing, yeah, whatever, it's Tim Tebow, it's Jesus, who cares? Um, so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there, and it's a shame that the type of society that we live in, where people, you know, one religion is more important than the other, and, you know, who cares about this versus that, because this group will make a stink and that group won't. Um, moving on to my uh, football giants, unfortunately they lost. They did not get the job done this uh, Sunday against the uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers, your, your wife's team. By the way, was your wife watching that game? Yeah, we were watching the third and fourth quarter. We actually ate at my mother-in-law's house. And we watched that game. But before you give me your take, I just want to like set the table for this. I just want to let you know as a Jeff fan um, that the Giants really did impress me going out to San Francisco. And, you know, they could have actually won that game. And I think that the yeah. Giants are going to be in there all the way to the end. Uh, they're definitely making the playoffs now. And I just think that you're going to tell us, like, you know, they, they lost and how bad you feel. But I think you have to hold your head held up high 
going into Sunday night against the Eagles at home. Uh, but, you know, give us your take on the Niner game and tell us what you think about the game coming up. Well, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, see, something that, 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 how should I put this, something that I guess kind of like struck me on Sunday as I'm watching this game is, you know what, maybe I've been a little bit hard on my quarterback. Maybe I've been knocking Eli a little bit too much because I watched the way that he manages the game in the fourth quarter, and he's just good. He's just playing good. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not going to go that far. Top five, I think that's pushing it. But truthfully, he manages a good game in the fourth quarter. He he has the urgency, which I love. You see him, he seems so confident. To me, he almost seems inadequate, and he almost seems like he's lacking confidence in, in other situations. But when the pressure is on, when he needs to get the job done, that's when Eli Manning really shines, sir. And I'm sure you'd agree with that take. I think that Eli seems to really just buckle up and, and, you know, get it done, as it were, when the Giants need it at the end of the game, you know, the no-huddle offense or whatever the case is. Eli, is, he's just that good, and I, I like that about him. So I've been giving him a hard time, so i got to kind of, I guess, backpedal a little bit. Um, Sunday's game was tough. It was a tough loss. You know, they were in there till the end. Uh, you know, I had a bad feeling watching it. I'm like, you know, you ever get those gut feelings where you know your team's not going to win? You know they're not going to pull it off? It's it's one of those situations where, you know, when the ball was tipped at the end, I was like, ah, well, I kind of expected this. There was a couple of passes that could have been caught by Manningham and whatnot. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm impressed with the Giants' offense in terms of this. You know, with all the injuries that they've had, the wide receivers, they've stepped up to the plate. I mean, who the heck is Victor Cruz? Who the heck is, uh, you know, Mario Manningham and all these guys? But, but they step up to the plate, and the Giants seem to be able to produce these receivers with no problem. They lost Steve Smith. You know, uh, Nix is out. Or uh, Hickson is, I'm sorry, and you know all these different things going on. Oh, they, they, it just it, it impresses me that these guys are still there. They're still able to, you know, pull some games off. And yeah, they lost. You know, they're six and three, sir. as it were. Sir. Yes, sir. I just want to, you know, you hit on a good point. Just think of it this way: the definition of a really good quarterback, or as some people have called Eli, you know, because the E L I, an elite quarterback, is the fact that he brings up everybody else's game. So you mentioned the no-name receivers like Manningham and Cruz, but that's the sign of a really good quarterback, if not great quarterback, is that he ups everybody's game. He makes everybody look good. So think about it that way. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, sir. And uh, you mentioned to me uh, your boy, uh, the Sanchez, just threw a nice little uh, interception, as it were. Um, sir, What's going on with him? Can you tell me, please? Can you tell me? I, I guess he Todd, uh, who I don't know what the, whatever happened to Todd, but he had to put here on Twitter. I want to defend you, Mark Sanchez, but how can I do? How can I when you do blank like that? Gotta love Todd, sir. Got to love Todd. I mean, the, the bottom line with Sanchez is that right now the offensive line isn't as good as it was two years ago and even last year, and he's just you know he lacks confidence right now. And he's doubting himself. So the fact that he's doubting himself, I think that Schottenheimer is not a good offensive coordinator for this team. I just think it's just a, a, a mix of things. And I think that Sanchez is, Sanchez, Sanchez <laughs> is regressing right now. And I just, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this doesn't really knock his confidence for the rest of the year. So um, just getting back to you because I know we're pressed up for time. Yeah, we are. Play, we're closing out here. Yeah, you do go play the Eagles Sunday night. So. Just give us your take on you know your team against the uh, the dream team as it will. I think, sir, all that needs to be said is that the Giants are going to effectively end the season for the Philadelphia Eagles. They're done. It's over. D O E N done, as Jerome from Manhattan would say. Uh, I'm picking the Giants. I think they're going to win. I'd say 27-14 Giants. You know, I think they're going to win handily. I think they're going to lay the smackdown. They're going to get revenge for last year when. Uh, you know, I remember being at Chili's and watching the game, and the Giants did that horrific, uh, that horrific play that cost them. You know, the the return all the way at the end. I'm sure you remember that disgusting, disgraceful, you know, display the Giants put on when they, uh, you know, the the punt return, boom, touchdown, game over. But Giants, definitely, sir. I absolutely believe, no doubt in my mind. All right, let's hope for uh, two New York wins again this week, sir. And just let me close out, and I know you have a, a quick final thought on this is that, believe it or not, folks, we talked about Pure Gold being uh, our one-year anniversary on December 10th, but let's take it back a couple of weeks and just let you know that we actually tried Pure Gold on YouTube, and we actually recorded a preview show, and we tried to do it for the Survivor Series preview, actually, and um, 
it didn't work out as well as it did, and then DG was able to find this avenue to have our show on. And, sir, can you believe it's been a year first, and can you believe that we tried YouTube, and now we're doing this? I actually cannot believe that it's been a, it's been a year. Saturday will be an exact year, November 20th, one year to the date where Pure Gold started to the whole YouTube situation. And here we are, sir. You mentioned it. Mind-blowing. It's amazing. It's been a full year of Pure Gold. The 10th of November will be a year uh, of doing the show here on Blog Talk Radio. And, of course, we have some exciting things coming up that we can't really get into just yet. But there's some excitement. There's some wonder. There's some majesty. Pure Gold is shooting through the roof. And, sir, can you believe it's been a year? Can you believe that here we are talking about our one-year anniversary uh, Saturday again of the first video? And we are going to do a video on Sunday. There's no doubt about that. We have to because that's what got this whole thing started. That's what led us to ultimately do the Blog Talk Radio Show. But, sir, how amazing is it? A full year of PG, the actual official version of PG. Yeah, I mean, it's been a great ride because I think that we really do tell it like it is. We do talk about everything and everything everything and anything, and uh, it's not just catchphrases or, you know, just garbage talk. We actually do that, and I think our guests always enhance the show, you know, the people that we talk to and the, the people we have on on a regular basis. So uh, Pure Gold can only get better from here, sir, and I truly believe after getting some really good news, which we're not going to divulge right now, which, you know, it's going to happen in a couple months or so, I really think PG is going to take off, and hopefully everyone's ready for the great ride that we're about to embark on. Oh, sir, we know that Pure Gold is going to take off, and again, we can't share the uh, exciting information. But, sir, before we go, I'd like to touch on, on just a couple of things super, super quick. I just want to mention this to you. Uh, longtime Syracuse assistant men's basketball coach is now being investigated by the police for an accusation of child molestation. Um, you know, he's in his 35th season at Syracuse, and uh, what's interesting is that when I originally, when I originally typed this up, it was there, you know. I, I want to make sure that I get to this this D bag's name. He was uh, he, again 35 years. I know he's been there under Jim Beheim for a while, but sir, it's amazing this whole Penn State scandal that we talked about. The fact that it's able to Bernie Fine, the fact that it's able to, you know, people are going to start seeing things and coming out and hearing this and hearing that, and now this the stuff is going to start hitting the fan literally. And it's amazing how one thing will snowball into another thing, and now this coach at this school apparently molested this kid for 12 years um, from the up until he was about 27 years old starting in 1984 the kid reported it in 2003 and you know the school I think the school said or who, not the school the um, police said the statute of limitations had run out which is ridiculous but here we are eight years later talking about it again and it's just amazing and I think this is the first it's a snowball effect right? the Sandusky thing started there's going to be a lot more to it than this and a lot more sadly a lot more stories of kids trusting their coaches and these disgraceful, despicable things happening. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is that if it happened at a, a prestigious school like Penn State University, then it's it's got to be happening. Unfortunately, it's got to be happening at other schools, whether they're big colleges, small colleges, high schools, uh, elementary schools. So, I mean, this is just like Pandora's box now at this point. I yeah, mean, exactly. So exactly. many things have so many things could come out of this and uh, just hope that, you know, at least it teaches us a lesson that we do need to be mindful of the people that watch our children and just um, always have an well, eye parents, open. Yeah, 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 always have the, your eyes open and your ears open because when kids cry out, even in, in silence, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but when they cry out in silence, uh, just reach out and help them because they are the next generation. They are the ones that are going to be taking care of us. So please, please, I just implore every parent out there to keep your eyes and ears open at all times. Yeah, not only parents, but brothers and sisters and anybody who deals with kids, please keep your eyes open because, you know, they, they need to trust us. As a, as a youth minister, you know, you deal with kids and they trust you and they put their, their faith in you, as it were. I know that, you know, we teach you should only have give, put your faith in God, but you know what I mean? As a man, you know, you, you trust people. So. Right. The truth is that, you know, they're entrusted to our care, and, I mean, it's just a shame that people take advantage of that, and it's just a sick, twisted world that we live in. But I wanted to mention that after, kind of throw that out there, and I have a couple baseball nuggets real quick that I wanted to mention. Sir, just throwing this out there, Wally Backman has been promoted to the AAA manager at Buffalo, effective immediately, and make no mistake about it, in two years' time, Wally Backman, two or three, he will be the next manager of the New York Mets, sir. Agree or disagree? I totally agree with you. Um you know, Collins is not going to be here for another 
two or three years. So I, I definitely see Backman being the future, the face of the Mets, if you will. And I think that that's what the, actually the Mets need, the Mets fan need. They need some. They need to have something where they could, you know, bring some positive energy. And the only positive energy that the Mets could possibly bring is if you start hiring and just employing people from the 1986 World Series championship. So Wally Backman is that type of person that, that actually would bring some positive back into that organization. Right, right, definitely. And uh, there's also some rumors going out that the Red Sox have reached out to Bobby Valentine. Quick take on that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the Red Sox want in terms of a manager. Bobby Valentine is a really good manager, but I don't know if they want somebody with, you know, he's really uh, the the type of manager that really wants to do it his way or the highway. So I don't right. really know. I really don't know if the Red Sox are looking for that after what happened last year with that whole debacle. Um, but, you know, Bobby Valentine can manage my team any day. I just don't know if he's a good fit for the Red Sox. Definitely, sir. And one last thing before we close out. The Astros have been sold. They're moving to the American League and the, and, and next not next year, the year after 2013. And Major League Baseball has added two wild cards. JB, drop a deuce on that one. <laughs> well, you know, the Astros, all right, go to the American League. I mean, I, I, I'm not an Astro fan, so I, I really can't comment on that. I don't like the well, fact wait. of having two. Go ahead. Don't you think it's stupid? that the Brewers were taken out of the American League to now only have another team in the same division go back to the American League? that That's what bugs me. Why were the Brewers ever taken out of the American League to now have a different team from Texas forced into the American League? It's stupid to me. It's absolutely stupid. Yeah, that that makes no sense. And I think even what really doesn't make sense is the fact that you have two wild cards now. I know that you're going to add uh, a lot more teams into the mix, but I don't know. I feel like you're almost like cheap cheapening the division winners of each of well, the divisions. The idea is now you can't rest on your laurels and be the wild card winner. You're gonna have to push to win the division. That that's the whole. A person that gets you're talking what four more teams in each division that are gonna be plugged in. I read a stat today that was interesting. The Mets were only two games out of the second wild card spot. Think about that. How bad the Mets were. Think about that. They're only out a couple of games. And it totally changes your season. It changes the momentum, the fact that you can get into the wild card, and it's going to add so many more teams into the mix. Plus, you're going to have to win the division because that's going to be your only guarantee into really getting a good being seated well. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Uh, you know, JB, as always, your, your take is well appreciated. Folks, we'd like to thank you for joining us as we close out on that note. Of course, we have to thank Justin Labar, the Labarbarian, from WrestleZone.com. Justin has been on the show several times, as I've mentioned, several times throughout the show. I just think it's kind of cool that he's the guy who, you know, four-time, 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 four-time world champion when it comes to PG appearances. So we thank him for coming on and giving us his wonderful take. Uh, we're obviously looking forward to the Big Tuesday show with his partner, Josh Eisenberg, who's going to be, uh, you know, joining us for the first time. That's going to be interesting. And, folks, uh, again, make sure you tune in next Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, for JB, this is DG of Pure Gold, reminding you to always keep it PG. Folks, good night, everyone, and make sure you watch out for the Survivor Series video. Take care. Spike your hair. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.